This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. We started this new series two weeks ago. That's right, two weeks ago. And I made the claim that Jesus is inviting, actually he's beckoning, which is a stronger invitation, He's beckoning this church to follow him into deeper waters, into deeper places. And we sang a little bit about that tonight. But I believe that the invitation from Christ to follow him to places we've never been means that we have to trust him with things that we haven't experienced before. We have to be willing to go places we've never gone. And sometimes to go places you've never gone, you've got to do things you've never done. Any of you guys find that in your relationship with God, sometimes you, you, come, you come to a place where you feel just kind of stuck or maybe you just kind of plateaued and you're like, you know, God, I know there's more of you and I want to experience more of you. Or maybe for some of you who've been on a journey, uh, I think all of us are on a, on a journey, right? Some of us are just maybe a little further down the road. But for most of us that are on this journey called following Jesus, there comes moments where we kind of hit roadblocks. There, there are spiritual roadblocks that want to keep us from going deeper with God, that want to keep us kind of in a place of apathy and perhaps maybe even indifference. But I know this, what's going on in the world right now requires us to be strong and courageous. It requires the church to grab a hold of her mandate, which is to be strong and courageous. And that's what God has called this church to express here in this valley, in the Salt Lake Valley, to be a people that are not afraid to follow Jesus into the deep. And so we kicked off this series and I made the claim that Jesus is inviting us into the deep. And the good news is that he invites us into the deep and that's where he meets us. Meaning he doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He's not a, a tyrant or a, 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 a mean God. He's a good, good father who you can trust. But sometimes in order to grow you, He's got to take you through seasons where you don't always know what's going on. And the truth is, many of you, probably like me, like control, like at least the illusion of it, right? Because we all know we're not really in control, but we like to maintain the illusion that we're kind of in the driver's seat. And yeah, God's kind of our, our passenger. He's kind of with us and we're kind of doing this thing together. But the truth is, if we're going to be faithful and obedient, to follow Christ, then he needs to lead. He needs to be in the driver's seat and we need to get into the back seat and we need to trust that where he's going to take us is good. Amen. And I believe that God has good things in store for you, for your life, for your family, for, for your marriage, for those of you that are married, for those of you that aren't yet, get ready because you might be soon. And if you need somebody to do your wedding, I'd be happy to. Uh, <laughs> And for those of you that, that may be in a season of singleness, and maybe that's uh, something that God's called you to, he's going to give you grace for that as well. But the truth is, is that he is a much better leader than we are. And we are much better followers than we are leaders. And so in this series, I want to encourage us, but I also want to challenge us a little bit to press in a little deeper, to, like Jen was singing about earlier, to come in a little closer, to, to listen and to lean into what the Spirit might be saying to each one of us. Are you guys with me tonight? The title of my message this evening is Just Keep Swimming. Just Keep Swimming. You guys remember Finding Nemo? You millennials out there, or maybe those of you that are a little bit older? I, I remember when that movie first came out, that the, the, the Dory character, uh, which for those of you that haven't seen it, what's so hilarious, my kids have never seen that movie, and which makes me feel really old, by the way. Uh, but the Dory character suffers from sort of like this uh, memory problem where she forgets things like every 10 seconds. And she has this saying, which you guys know, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. 
Just keep swimming. And tonight, I want to kind of pick up on that theme as I believe Christ is calling all of us to just keep swimming. Before we jump into our text, you can go all the way back. Before we jump into the text, I want to ask you guys, how's your fast going? Last week, I had a video and uh, Pastor Jim forgot to play it. Bless his heart. And, uh, but it was an encouragement to you in your fasting two weeks ago. I, I called this church to a 30 day fast. I know who does that in the middle of summer. Pastor Jason does apparently, but no, I really felt the spirit impress upon me as a pastor in this house to call us to a spiritual fast to a 30 day fast. And in this fast, I believe the Lord was asking us to do three things. And here they are to fast entertainment and media. How many of you guys are really struggling with that one? Be honest. Yeah, I think everybody struggles with this one because the truth is we're a lot more dependent upon social media and entertainment than we realize. But part of the call of God for us as a church over these 30, 30 days is to fast, or really the, the better language is to abstain, right? Because when you're fasting, you're really actually going without food, which brings us to number two, to fast one meal a day. So we asked you to fast one meal. Maybe it's breakfast, maybe it's lunch, maybe it's dinner. But during that time of fasting, we also ask for you to pray for 30 minutes a day. And here's the four things, to pray for your leaders, to pray for your church, to pray for open doors, and to pray for more finances. So I mentioned that God is calling this church to take a step closer toward the city, toward Salt Lake. And in this next season, we're praying that God would open up some new doors for that to happen. We're really actually believing God for some big things this year, some, for some audacious things. How many of you guys know God responds to audacious faith? He doesn't need us to play it safe. 2022 is not the year that Courageous Church needs to play it safe. It's the year that we need to step out in faith. But you guys are the church, okay? So that's all of us joining in this together. And I also made the comment or remark that if you weren't able to, to fast or maybe you fell off the wagon one day, to just jump back on and to keep fasting with us and, and to not get legalistic about it. We want the spirit of this to be life-giving to you. I know for me, as I've unplugged from social media, I just feel this immediate tension just released in my spirit. Anybody else feel that way? I think sometimes if we're not careful, we, we live under the yoke of bondages that Jesus didn't call us to live under. And as a result, we end up taking on things that aren't really ours to take on. And, and I'm not saying that that means we shouldn't be aware of what's going on in the world or that we shouldn't watch the news or whatever. I think it's important to be informed, but I think it's important to be informed so that we can pray and not panic. And much of what we see online and in our world today is panic-driven, it's fear-driven, it's, it's built on paranoia, and uh, it tries to suck us into false narratives where we start taking on things that Jesus never called us to take on. And so part of this fast is to loosen the grip of those, those elements in our life and to bring us closer to God so that we can answer the call to go deeper with him. Are you with me tonight? As I said, the title of my message is Just Keep Swimming. If you have your Bibles, go to Ezekiel chapter 47. That's in the Old Testament, for those of you that don't know. And we're going to begin right there in verses 1 through 2 today. And here's what it says. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east. Okay, so the temple faced east. And the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold, south of the altar. And then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Now pause here for a moment. For some of you that aren't familiar with this text or with Ezekiel, um, 
Ezekiel here is a high priest of God, and he's being led by the Spirit of God through a series of visions, okay? God is showing him things in the Spirit, and one of the things that he's showing him is the temple, okay? The temple was sort of the central place of worship. It was the, 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 the house of God. It was the place of his presence. It was where everything dynamically flowed from, and here Ezekiel is shown this river, or, or at least the trickle of, of a stream pouring through forth from the threshold of the east door in the temple. And so God starts to show him this. And interestingly, Ezekiel makes note of this, but as an observer, right, he's watching kind of from the shoreline. He's watching from the sidelines. And then what happens? God begins to take him by the hand and then lead him out into the water. Verse 3, Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man, the spirit of God, measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water. Say, led me through the water. And it was ankle deep. And it was ankle deep. The first thing I want to say to us today is this. Some of you have been far too content to observe God from the shoreline or from the safety of the sidelines of your life. When in reality, God is wanting you to go deeper with him. He is calling you out into the waters. What do I mean by this? Some of us have been merely content knowing things about God without actually knowing God. Pastor Jason, what do you mean? It's easy for us as Westerners, as Americans, to get obsessed with facts and information and theology and all good things, all good things but stuff that leads to more knowledge about God, but that doesn't always lead us to knowing God. And there's a difference. The invitation to follow Jesus into the deep is to know God, intimately know God and be known by him. That's our next slide. To know God and be known by him. Next slide, Keaton. To know God and be known by him. This is the calling of every believer. For us to know him, to not just know stuff about him, to know stuff about God is like knowing that those mountains out there exist. And all of us driving down the 15 freeway marvel and we go, wow, look at those mountains. They're pretty cool. They're awesome. Wow, I know a lot of fun facts. I know that there's rivers and canyons and animals and things, right? But to know God is like to actually go into the mountain and to begin to explore. Did you guys see that treasure hunt that took place this week? Those two guys that, that set that treasure of $20,000 up in Ogden and started giving clues, and people were looking for it, and these like three people found it like the same day. It was pretty crazy. So there's a big difference between like knowing that there's treasure out in those hills and then going out to search for it, going out to look for it. When I was a kid, I used to love Indiana Jones. Anybody relate to me? Indiana Jones, for me as a kid, was like the ultimate picture of somebody who embodied adventure, like what it means to go out and look for treasure. And I remember like the, what was it, the hunt for the ark, and then, of course, like, what was it, the, uh, the, the goblet, right? The, uh, come on, help me out here, Tim. Yes, the, the, what, what, was, what was the thing called? The Holy Grail, thank you, thank you. And, and so, like, as a kid, I used to think, like, what if that exists? Like, what if there was a real Holy Grail? Like, wouldn't it be cool to go out and find it? But how many of you guys know there'd be a, diff a big difference between me, like, thinking that and saying that, and then actually going out to look, actually going out into the mountains to search. Well, in that way, that's the difference between knowing things about God, knowing that Jesus died for your sins, which is a great place to start, knowing that he loves you, which is a great place to start, 
knowing that he's for you and that he gave his life for you, those are all great things to know. But there's a difference between knowing that here and knowing that in here, between head knowledge and heart knowledge or heart experience of God. The invitation before us today is to press in, to know him and be known by him. It's to become intimately acquainted with who he is as a friend and as a lover and as Savior, and as King, and as Lord. Many of us are content to keep Jesus as Savior, but we get a little freaked out when he starts making claims of lordship. But that's the invitation. Put more simply, it's to have a relationship with God. It's all about relationship. It's not about rules. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. And I know this, all relationships require time, They require trust, they require sacrifice, they require service, they require love. And the truth is, it's hard to love somebody from a distance. So let me ask you, have you been living your life at a distance from God, on the shore, right? Just happy to kind of observe the waters? And if so, why? What is keeping you from taking that next step toward him today? What's holding you back from stepping into this river with him? If I can expand the metaphor, is it, is it fear? Are you afraid? Is it pride? Is it disappointment? Maybe unanswered prayer? What is it that's an obstacle from keeping you from going deeper with Jesus? Perhaps that's right where God wants to help you start today. The second thing I want to say to us today is, is this, God is a good God, and he's a good father. And he helps us, when we make the decision to draw closer to him, he actually helps us to do that by helping us take next steps. Uh, Many of you probably grew up and and, uh, maybe had swimming lessons. Anybody have swimming lessons when they were a kid or had a parent show you how to swim? Uh, Did they just throw you into the water like I did with my kids? (laughs) <laughs> no, no. most of you had good parents who eased you into the shallow end, right? You didn't start in the deep end. They didn't say, go get on that diving board. Yesterday, I took my kids to the, uh, the pool up in, in Cottonwood. And they have, if you guys have ever been there, you know they have uh, these different heights of dives, right? So they have the low dive. And then they have like the mid dive, which is about 20 feet up. And then they have the high dive, which is about 40 feet up. How many of you guys know that when you're a good parent, you don't? ask your kids to go to the top and to jump in from that height, right? Well, at least if you're a good parent, okay? (laughs) How do you know you don't just chuck your kids into the deep end when they're learning how to swim? No, you start with the shallow end. You start with the safety or comfort of where they can begin, where they can begin to step out and gain familiarity and trust, right? Because that's what it's all about. Relationship is about trust. Listen to the next two verses of Ezekiel's count here. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water and it was what? Ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was what? Knee deep. And again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was what? Waist deep. Do you guys see the progression here? Ankle, knees waist. He didn't start him off in the waist. He didn't start him off in the knee deep. He started him off in the ankle deep. How does God lead us? The same way, one step at a time. One step at a time. 
The first step is ankle deep. Maybe for some of you, this means like making a decision to go all in for Jesus, to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm done trying to do life by my terms. I'm done trying to manage my sin. I'm done trying to like keep it all together. I'm willing to trust that you are the son of God, that you are who you say you are, and I'm going to follow you. Well, congratulations. Welcome to the ankle deep. (laughs) But there comes a time where It's time to move into the knee deep. It's time to go in a little deeper. It's time to deal with some stuff. Maybe there's some hereditary stuff or issues in your life, or maybe you're like, man, I got saved, but I'm still dealing with my anger. Well, guess what? Welcome to the knee deep. (laughs) God begins to deal with stuff each step of the way. And then, of course, he, he invites us out into the waist deep. And of course, the waist deep could just represent recognizing that there's more to life than what you know and, and more to following Jesus than what you've experienced thus far. And I'll say this, like as somebody who's been following Christ for most of my life, I'm 40 years old, okay? I got saved when I was five. Isn't that awesome? My parents were both in the world and just living for the world. And God radically got a hold of their hearts. They got radically saved. I'm talking like full 180 degrees. They left alcoholism. They left cocaine. They left sleeping around. And they began to follow Jesus. And God began to do radical things in their life. And I remember seeing my parents before Christ. And I remember seeing my parents after Christ. And can I tell you, the version after Christ was much better than the version before. And it was enough for me to know the difference, to know that Jesus was real, to know that God was alive. And I began to experience his presence in real ways. And my parents were really helpful and they were really nice and and kind and they never wanted to force Jesus on me or force me to make decisions that I couldn't make it myself. But at five years old, I can remember the palpable difference of the presence of God filling our room and our home the minute my parents began to follow Christ. And I remember seeing my dad get baptized in this little Baptist church in La Jolla, California, one of my earliest memories as a child. It's probably about six years old by then. And I remember going like, I I can see the difference in his life. Like there was joy on his face. There was peace in our home. Like there was healing. My parents just started giving away their clothes to people on the street. It was crazy. God began to bless their business. We went from poverty to riches. And it was like this extreme makeover had happened to us. And I remember saying, I want that to happen in my heart, God. And of course, at five, you don't have the language to articulate that. But I knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus was real and that he is calling me to follow him. And so I'll never forget that night, my mom said, Jason, would you want to make Jesus Lord and save your life? And I said, absolutely. And we began to pray. And it was like this warm oil just began to fall on my head and on my shoulders. And I could just feel this warmth and electricity. And I know for many people, that's not their conversion experience, okay? I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to you the minute you follow Jesus, but it might. It could. I've seen all kinds of things happen in people's lives the moment they give their heart to Christ. But that was my story. That was my testimony. And from then on, I began to follow Jesus. But can I tell you this? I'm still learning how to wade out beyond the ankle and the knee and the waist deep. I'm still learning how to trust God with places that I've never been. And I believe that that's the calling of God upon this church. What did Jesus do when he called his first followers? He said, I want you to throw down your nets Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and I want you guys to follow me. And if you do, I'll make you what? Fishers of men, right? So he started off with this group of fishermen, right? Just these simple blue-collar worker dudes. And he said, I want you to drop your, your nets. I want you to, to like give up on your whole like preoccupation with your family and in a Jewish culture to like leave your family and to leave your trade. That was a big deal. Okay, that could bring a lot of disgrace and a lot of shame upon the family. 
Um, maybe some of you who, who didn't follow in your family's footsteps and your, your parents had this great design for your life or this plan for your life to take over their family business. This would be like you saying like, peace out, I don't want it, right? And, and this is what happens to them. And, and Jesus begins to shake them free from their earthly commitments and expectations. But did Jesus that same week of saying, come follow me, did he send them out to cast out demons in, in his name? No. Did he send them out to pray for the sick and heal the... No, they had to spend some time with him. Right. Why? Because they were starting off in the ankle deep. They were just learning to follow Christ. In other words, they were getting to know him and be known by him. Because once again, it's all about relationship, isn't it? It's all about relationship. And through relationship, Jesus began to divulge to them as his followers, the mysteries of the kingdom. He would say things like this, to you, it's been known to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to others, it's been hidden or concealed. Isn't that interesting that Jesus would hide things for us and not from us? that he would hide things for those that have been given the right to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So Jesus is on the scene. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's saying, repent and follow me. Like turn from the way of trying to manage your life and do life on your terms and accept that the life of the kingdom, the life of the heavens, like God's reign and rule has broken in. And with that is this new invitation for you to experience it here and now and not just later. How awesome is that? And so Jesus is on the scene and he's proclaiming the message of the kingdom. He's saying things like, repent like, and, and, just, and like change your thinking. Completely turn from the way that you thought life was supposed to go and do life according to my terms. And so he's here and he's preaching the knowledge of the kingdom and he's giving his followers the insights to the mysteries of the kingdom. But he's doing it through intimacy. He's doing it when it's just them hanging out around a campfire. How cool would it be to like just hang out around a campfire with Jesus? It would be pretty awesome, I think, just to, just to hang with Jesus, to have some pork and beans with Jesus, to eat some chili with Jesus, to just spend a little time with Jesus. And that's the venue, that's the setting for which Jesus began to reveal his heart to them. And as they got to know him, as they, they got to be known by him, then they began to grow into the kinds of people that could be entrusted with what? With the kingdom itself. Eventually, there came a moment where they were called upon to go and do what Jesus was doing. Do you guys remember that? When he began to send them out in twos and he would send them out into villages and towns and he would say, go and preach the kingdom and, and lay hands on the sick and cast out demons in my name. Like this is a couple years into Jesus's earthly mission and ministry, but it wasn't soon after that Jesus was commissioning and empowering them to go and to do what he was doing. How were they able to do it? Because they had relationship with Jesus, because they walked with him, because they knew what his heart was like. They didn't always get it right. There were a lot of things that they still missed the boat on, but there were a lot of things that they got right because they spent time with their Messiah. They spent time with their rabbi, King Jesus. Their life was not lived at a distance from God. It wasn't lived from the shore. It was lived with Jesus in the boat. It was lived with Jesus in the midst of the storm when Jesus is taking a nap on a cushion and they're rowing and they're freaking out. Anybody been there? I don't know what to do, God. I think we're going under. The waves of life are taking us and I'm about to capsize and unless you do something, we're all gonna sink and drown. And what does Jesus do? He gets up from his nap. I love the picture of Jesus napping in the midst of a storm. <laughs> and he rebukes the wind and the waves. 
And he goes, where's your faith, you guys? You've been with me. You know how this works. They still didn't know how it worked. But because they were in close proximity to Jesus, they got to experience the stillness for the storm. They got to experience his shalom and his peace that came in that moment. The moment he spoke his word, he silenced every wave, he silenced all the wind, and they saw, the Bible says that they saw that he was the son of God. Peter goes, wow. And so that's the invitation for us to learn who Jesus is, to know what he's interested in, to understand why he came so that we can do like him, so that we can be commissioned to be his followers and to make disciples of all nations. Do you guys believe that today? Verse five says this. Again, he measured, this is the next part of the story. Again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass. So Ezekiel goes, okay, so I've seen the ankle deep, I've seen the knee deep, and I've seen the waist deep, but now I'm seeing a river that I cannot pass through for the water had risen. But here's where I want us to focus tonight. Ezekiel makes this remark. It was deep enough to swim in. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through easily. I'll never forget a couple of years back when my younger brother got married, we had his bachelor party. And uh, because I was the best man, you know, and uh, as the best man, you get to kind of choose what the groom gets to do for their bachelor party. I think that's how it works. At least that's how it worked for us. And I thought it would be a great idea to get my brother and some of his close friends and some of my close friends together and to, to drive all the way up at the time we were living in Southern California, to drive all the way up to Northern California and get on the American River and do a whitewater rafting trip. Have you guys ever done a whitewater rafting trip? Some of you outdoor enthusiasts? I thought, man, this would be awesome. Let's do like, let's do the like higher class rapids, the ones that are a little more scary, the ones that are a little more treacherous and dangerous. And, uh, you know, I thought this is exactly what my brother would want, you know, like a week before he's supposed to get married, you know? And uh, <laughs> much to my chagrin, uh, his, his, his soon to be an eventual wife was not too thrilled about it. But um, I'll never forget, we, uh, we did this trip and one of my friends at one point uh, decided that he was gonna swim across the river uh, after we had stopped for lunch. Well, the problem is, if you guys know anything about the river, it can look pretty calm on the surface, but it can be raging underneath. And he got swept up in the current and overestimated his ability to get across. And he's paddling for dear life. I mean, he's just trying to stay afloat. And my brother, my younger brother had lifeguard training because he used to work as a, as a lifeguard at the beach uh, close to where we used to live and where we grew up. And so he sees my friend Zach starting to like panic. I mean, fear has taken over and it, there's this moment where it's like sink or swim. It's like, he, 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 we don't know if he's about to just give up or not. And so my brother plunges into the water and he starts paddling toward him, you know, like the David Hasselhoff took over. You could hear the music, someone stands in the darkness. And he's just like, he's, you know, he's just going for it. Like the Baywatch has taken over and my brother, you know, he's just all tan and like six pack and he's just going for it. And he grabs my friend Zach and he puts his arm around him, gets underneath him and begins to paddle and get him back to shore. Now, it's kind of a fun, fun memory. It's one that I'll never obviously forget. But can I tell you something? And this is the, the third and final thing I want to say tonight. With regards to our faith, there comes a time when all of us are faced with the decision to either sink or swim. To either sink or swim, meaning there are moments that you and I are going to encounter along the way 
that are not going to be safe and not going to be comfortable and not going to be convenient. When God requires us, hear me on this church, when God requires us to make a decision to sink or to swim, in other words, to be people of faith or not. Now, I'm not putting down my friend Zach. He did his best. And there comes a time in all of our lives when all the training and Bible college and veggie tales and vacation Bible schools and worship gatherings and prayer nights are not going to be able to help you stay afloat. You're going to be in over your head and you're going to have to decide, do I trust God in this moment or not? Do I trust that he is able to bring me to shore to get me through the waters or not? As I said the first week, the deep is a scary place, you guys. It's not for the faint of heart, but make no mistake, God meets us right in the middle of it. Once again, our key text for this series, Isaiah chapter 43, verses one through two. Put it up there, Keats. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have grabbed a hold of your neck just as you thought you were going to go under the water. And I've called you by name because you are mine. When you go through deep waters, not if, church, you're going to go through it. But when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, not if, but when you go through it, you will not drown. You guys, our God is so good. This is a promise that you can bank your life on. It's a promise that as you follow Jesus into deeper places, he will be with you guys. He's going to be with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. So you don't have to be afraid. You just need to, like Dory, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. When you find yourself overwhelmed by the waters and waves of life, just keep swimming. When you find yourself not knowing what to do, just keep swimming. When you find yourself wanting to turn back, just keep swimming. Practically, this means keep believing, keep hoping, keep praying, keep trusting, keep serving, keep giving, keep showing up, keep choosing joy, keep choosing to love people when it's hard. Just keep swimming. Why? Because you're not going to drown. Put it back there, Keats. You're not going to drown. He promises that you will not drown. He promises that he'll be with you and you don't have to be afraid. You guys believe that today? As we prepare to close, maybe here tonight and you'd say to me, Pastor Jason, I've been kind of sitting on the shoreline of my life and kind of watching life go by and uh, I'm a little scared to go deeper with him. Maybe you're watching this online or you're listening to this podcast. Can I encourage you? God's not a tyrant. He's not a scary God. You could trust him. He's a good father and he won't let you drown. Maybe it's time to step out into the ankle deep. Maybe that's right where you need to begin tonight. And maybe for some of you, it's just making a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you you say to me, Pastor Jason, I've been in the ankle deep, but I want to go deeper. Like I'm at this place in my life with God where I'm ready for more, okay? Let me also encourage you. Maybe it's time to be a little more intentional in the way that you're spending time with him or prioritizing your relationship with God. I know this about the Lord. He is eager for every one of us to take that next step. And regardless of where we're at, and then maybe you're here tonight and you'd say to me, Pastor Jason, I feel like I've been doing all that I know. I'm paddling for dear life, just trying to keep my head above water. And I'm a little tired and worn out. Listen, I can relate. I can empathize really, honestly. But let me encourage you. God has not brought you this far to abandon you now. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. God has not brought you guys this far to abandon you now. He will preserve your life. 
He knows all the days that are already ordained for you in his book. He's already got it, already mapped out for you, as crazy as that might sound. Maybe it's time for you to take your eyes off your circumstances and to put them back on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. The one who holds you by the hand, who will never let go. Do you guys believe that tonight? Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.